The harbor was filled with dozens of other ships with sails or steam engines, even some with both, all flying starry banners. Reveille picked out a favorite, a tall sailing ship with three masts and square sails. Sailors stood shoulder to shoulder on the great crossbars, yard arms, so they looked like birds on a wire. She hoped they wouldn't fall. Strolling along, they passed wharves, all of which had huge warehouses built on them, great fat fingers of commerce reaching out into the harbor. First came Lewis Wharf, then Commercial Wharf, Tea Wharf, and the longest, Long Wharf. Slow, horse-drawn wagons, piled with goods, rolled past them. Boom! 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 Reveille shuddered. She had always loved Boston because it was so civilized, so insulated from raw violence, ruled by law instead of guns. Except on the Fourth, apparently. Guns had won the revolution, and guns were used to celebrate its victory. She understood it, but she didn't have to like it. "'Let's get out of here,' said Percy. "'Thank you,' said his mother." At India Wharf, they turned right and walked up India Street, where they moved into the shadow of four-story red-brick buildings. Their cobblestone path bent to the right. None of the streets were straight. They passed the Chamber of Commerce with its pointed roof that looked like a wizard's cap. At the Custom House, a Roman temple with six fluted columns and a domed roof, India Street ran into State Street and disappeared. A couple of blocks later, State changed its name to Court Street. These lanes were crooked, changeable things. Now buggies and carriages joined the wagons moving up and down the narrow streets. Be careful, said Reveille. Don't get run over. Then she regretted her motherly timidity. The guns in the harbor had unnerved her. Don't worry, said Percy. But his mother couldn't help worrying. The world had convinced her a long time ago that it was a dangerous place. She considered it her paramount duty as a mother to defend her child against dangerous weapons, dangerous people, dangerous situations. She had named him Percy, in part because it seemed such a safe name. Percy's didn't get into fights, did they? Percy's didn't go looking for trouble. Percy's didn't throw their lives away. Percy's wrote poems and obeyed their mothers. Of course, Reveille sometimes worried that maybe she was too protective, worried that she worried too much. After all, Percy certainly looked like a young man who could take care of himself. He was six feet two inches tall and weighed a thin one hundred and seventy-five pounds, more or less. He had dark brown hair, a straight nose, a few freckles, and changeable eyes that sometimes seemed blue— and other times looked brown. He wore a black frock coat, snug cream-colored trousers, and a large, loosely tied cravat. He had left his top hat at home. His mother admired his grace. He walked gracefully, turned his head gracefully, moved his hands gracefully, and he had the spontaneity of a child. On the left loomed the elegant old state house, built of bright red brick, It had a second-floor balcony, a steeple, and a lion and a unicorn on the roof. "'They read the Declaration of Independence from that balcony back in 76,' said Reveille. 
Mumsy, you tell me that every fourth. Do I, dear? Why do you think I picked this street? I see. What is our next port of call? The common, okay with you? Of course. The common, then the garden, then home. Very good. When they reached Tremont, they turned left, and there before them stretched those twin parks, the Boston Common and the Public Garden. They were actually Siamese twins, since they were forever joined by a shared fence. Oh, no, said Reveille. What's the matter? asked Percy. She was so rattled that she pointed. Her son followed her aim and saw a dozen great guns lined up in a row on the parade ground in the far corner of the common. More cannon, she said. They're not going to start shooting too, are they? Don't know, her son smiled.